Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. For Friday, September the 9th, I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're taking a look at the art of negotiating minor zoning variances. Now, let's be clear. I'm not here to tell you that I'm the definitive authority on successfully getting zoning variances through the system. But I do have a little experience on the topic, and I think it would be valuable to talk about some of those nuances. Let's be clear. Zoning is a legal land use doctrine, and like many things that are legal in nature, compliance with the law generally takes precedence over common sense. These rules are designed so that cities function, and so that neighbors remain good neighbors to one another. These rules govern things like setbacks, height restrictions, and density. They're designed to keep an orderly traffic situation, and they're designed to establish some norms so that when someone visits the area, they would feel like there was a harmonious character to the area. You want to avoid the, wow, that's weird reaction from the general public. That's why you generally have houses on a street set back the same distance from the road. Imagine if all the houses on the street were placed at random. One owner wants a large front yard and doesn't care for a backyard. Another neighbor wants a swimming pool in the backyard and is willing to sacrifice the front yard in order to get it. It would seem chaotic. If you have buildings with significant differences in height, there's a possibility of wind-induced problems where those smaller structures experience a turbulent vortex. They could experience snow loading. There can also be a loss of privacy if a resident on an upper floor is overlooking a low-rise property. If buildings are built too close to the property line, there's risk of fire propagation. In those instances, a building may need to be made of fire-rated materials. You might need fire-rated windows and doors, and you might need to install fire suppression systems to ensure fire remains contained and doesn't consume an entire row upon row of houses. So let's imagine you have a proposed project with a side yard setback that's far below the city standard, as called for in the zoning code. Let's say that the code calls for a five-foot side yard setback, and the property next door also calls for a five-foot side yard setback. You would now have a 10-foot spacing between the houses. Well, we have exactly that case where we're negotiating with a neighbor. The current property next door is a single-family home, and it obeys the five-foot setback. The proposed project next door is a 16-unit apartment building. The building itself would also respect the 5-foot setback, but there will be bicycle storage on the property line and a wheelchair-accessible ramp along the side of the building that will come within one foot of the property line. The owner is seeking a minor variance, and we, as their neighbor, can either endorse or oppose their request. Well, it turns out that we, too, are looking for some relief on that same property boundary. We're seeking a 4-foot setback instead of 5 feet. Both our building and the neighbor's building will have a minimum of windows facing that side yard, so the issues involving privacy should be minimized. We've agreed to support our neighbor's request in exchange for them supporting our request. But the agreements go deeper than just the setbacks. When we excavate three levels for underground parking, there's a risk of destabilizing the soil on our neighbor's property we'll need to reach a mutual shoring agreement to ensure that our construction work doesn't negatively impact their building and vice versa. Sometimes the variances are granted by a special committee. In some places it's called Committee of Adjustments. Other places it's called the Zoning Board of Appeals. Like any legal process, the decision is guided by the legislation and by legal precedents that have been set by similar cases in the past. If there are numerous examples of variances virtually identical to your situation, haven't been granted in the past, then there could be a strong case to be made for granting your variance request on the basis of precedence. But we don't know whether objections by neighbors 
who could negatively be impacted by the variance would trump the legal precedence argument. This is why the process of getting zoning variances can be so uncertain. All it takes is a group of well-organized neighbors to make a lengthy and compelling case as to why your request should be denied and their interests put ahead of yours. There's a very famous case in San Francisco where opponents of a high-rise project argued for a laundromat, which by the way had been closed for a period of time, to be preserved in favor of that gleaming new high-rise building. So zoning variances seem to come down to a three-step process. Number one, involving support and recommendation from city staff who have convinced that the reasonable nature of the request might support the request. Number two, support by the neighbors who could be affected by the variance. And number three, making sure there's ample precedence of similar cases being granted. That means that anyone seeking a variance needs to expend effort in all three of those areas. They need to convince the city staff, they need to conduct a grassroots campaign to enlist neighbors' support, and they need to hire the best land use attorney they can find to argue the legal precedence case on your behalf. I don't recommend performing one out of three or two out of three of these steps. I think you need all three of those tools in your tool belt. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.